0: Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Hey, welcome back. We have been called out and we get to follow Jesus. We're focusing on mission. Now we're learning about God and how he uses these pivotal moments to mature us. Now we've learned last week the only way we know if our faith is strong is if it's tested. So we're going to jump right into this second pivotal moment Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. That's such a perfect description, right? The moment that the Israelites realized that they were in a situation they couldn't get themselves out of, they were terrified. Anybody else been there? Looking back, they saw the Egyptian army pursuing them, Looking forward for options, they saw the Red Sea. They were in an impossible situation. Their faith was being tested. But God was with them. But the drama of the moment captured their attention rather than the fact that God was present with them. That's been true more for me than I care to admit. Now, I want to remind you of James chapter 1, verse 2. We read this On the last message, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Last week, we learned how discouraging moments can be a test of our faith. Well, today, we face the reality that terrifying moments also test the genuineness of our faith. Now let's back up in the story just a little bit to Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready, For I have a note in my Bible that says when you start a new life or a new program, follow God, let him lead, even when it seems like the long way. The people thought they were actually ready for battle, LOL. But God knew that his people were full of hot air. So he tells Moses where to lead them, says, trust me. He wanted the king of Egypt to think Israel was confused. It was all part of the plan. Because sometimes God leads us and it doesn't seem to make sense. Until later. So what has been one of the most terrifying moments in your life? You might want to think about that. Terrifying moments are those times when we're facing a seemingly insurmountable situation. So you're stuck and you can't get yourself out. You can't go back and you can't move forward when you believe, you know what, this is the end. It's over. And you're powerless to save yourself. And you need help. Terrifying moments test the genuineness of our faith. They test whether or not we truly trust that God is present, and that's the key. Terrifying moments come in all shapes and sizes. Trials of many kinds is what James says. Maybe your past is catching up and threatening to destroy you. I've known people who are being pursued by the bank, by creditors, past sins. For a while they thought, got everything under control, it's good. But now they're feeling a bit overwhelmed when you're facing poor health and not just a passing illness, but sustained poor health, either yourself or for that of a loved one, financial ruin, foreclosure, job loss. There's so much. Maybe the things you've depended on all your life that bring joy and peace just, just no longer work. How about when you're starting a microchurch? that can be terrifying. You see, I often need to be reminded, and personally a lot, that God is with me. You know, in Deuteronomy, there's that passage that says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, do not Be afraid of them for the Lord your God. He's the one who goes with you. He'll not leave you nor forsake you. And David writing in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And we say that's the Old Testament. Yes, but remember in the Great Commission, Jesus said, And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, as they looked out ahead, they saw only impossibilities, and they believed that their situation was hopeless. And practically, it was a hopeless situation, right? How did the Israelites respond? How did they respond when they were terrified? This is a great part of the story. Exodus chapter 14. Look at verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Wah, wah, wah. That's how they responded when they were terrified. But I can think of times in my life where I've been terrified. I'm not sure I responded a whole lot better. You see, up to this moment, the Israelites felt pretty good about things. Remember, they walked out armed for battle. But now, in this moment, courage has completely been taken from them. They were terrified, so what did they do? They cried out to the Lord. But rather than saying, you know what, Lord? I know you're with us. They did what came natural to them. They were afraid of the Egyptians. Why not be afraid of them again? So they looked at the reality of the moment, and they said, I think we're going to lose this one, and they were terrified. In those moments, emotion easily puts reason in the back seat. Reason would have asked, if God delivered us from slavery, could he help us now? Reason would have looked up and wondered if the cloud by day and fire by night, you remember that, meant that God had not left them. Why, there he is. And here's what they do. First, they blamed Moses for the predicament. Actually, it was the Lord's idea to do this. This blame game started all the way back with Adam and Eve. You remember when God asked Adam, why have you eaten the forbidden fruit? And Adam courageously blamed both God and his wife. He goes, this woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. It's the woman's fault amen. Eve then, he's, the Lord says, what about you? He, she blamed the devil and said, he tricked me. The serpent deceived me and I ate. And the devil, of course, didn't have anybody to blame. But each one suffered the consequences for their part in the disobedience. But that game's been going on since the beginning of time. And I'm just wondering if there's anything for which you may be blaming someone. Because the very next thing they did was questioned. Moses' motives, they said, was it because there were not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here in the desert to die? You see, when bad things happen to us and we face a terrifying moment, it's human nature and perhaps easier to believe that there is some hidden human motive than it is to believe maybe it's God at work. And we want to believe that there is some horrible motive behind this thing that explains how I arrived at this point in life. But I'll remind you of how Jesus handled these terrifying moments. And this is important because what he did was prayed and entrusted himself to God. He believed that if his father allowed something to pass through his hands and touch his life, then his job was to then be obedient. Allowing God to do his work in his life. Hebrews chapter 5 talks about Jesus crying out to God. Hebrews 5, verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Listen, Jesus learned obedience from the things he suffered and that's how we learn too when you are discouraged i'm going to remind you pray god hears you jesus was heard but your prayers are heard too do you believe it do you trust him now let's jump back to israel for a minute what happens next is they play the victim card And they said, didn't we say to you, Moses, that when we were in Egypt, just leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. If you had just listened to us, we wouldn't have been in this predicament. And they're, they're talking about how smart they are now. What they do is they predict the worst. We are going to die in the desert because we're really good at predicting the future, right? We assume that certain things absolutely will happen Not certain things could happen or might happen, but will with certainty happen. No question. Aren't we just so talented at assuming? What's the last thing they did? They glorified the past and played the what-if game. They didn't glorify God, they glorified the past. They said it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I mean, this is ludicrous. They reminisced about how things might have been they imagined that things could have been so good. And I've done this in ministry situations, so I'm not throwing rocks at the Israelites. If only I had said this or done that, or it would have been better if. But my memory tends to make me think too much of myself and too little of God. We want to make much of God, we want God to be glorified always and especially in the terrifying moments. You know, it's funny, the further I get away from my high school basketball days, the better I was. You know, how did Moses instruct them to respond to the terrifying moments? And this is really important. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, we continue. Moses answered to the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The first thing he tells them is, don't be afraid. Hey, guys, it's a command. Why did he say that? He said it because God is with him. The second thing he said was, you need to stand firm. You need to be still and let the Lord bring your deliverance. The third thing he tells them is, it's time to move on. How can you move on? By taking what you have and giving it to God. Raise your staff, he says to Moses. And then in verse 15, he's, the Lord says to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I'll gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. You know, I love that God had a plan, but couldn't he have just done this another way? How often I've asked him that. I love that you have a plan, but does it have to come down to the wire? You see, only faith sees a way forward. This had to be so terrifying to walk through the Red Sea, too. In fact, we think that the place where the Israelites were supposed to have passed through, that at that place was about twenty-eight yards deep. Folks, that's more than eighty feet deep. Without God, they couldn't have made a. They, they, there would not have been a way forward. I feel that way about God's call. To create a network of microchurches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. You see, unless he makes the way, then it's impossible. So does God sometimes place us in impossible situations so that he can do what only he can do? I think so. I like what Paul said about terrifying moments. He said, one thing I do I forget what is behind me, and I strain to what's ahead. You know what straining is? Straining is when every fiber of your body is focused on one thing. God has always asked us to use what he has given us to move forward in his will. Listen, it's natural, but deadly, to concentrate on what we do not have. I don't have money, talent, time, friends, property, education. I don't have the husband I need, wife, children, whatever it is point is, use what you have to serve God and let him receive the glory. You see, when we face terrifying moments, fear yells out to us, you're not going to survive this. But faith believes, I'm not going to be afraid, I'm going to stand firm, and I am going to see the Lord's deliverance. Now, The question is, how do you respond to situations like this i mean whenever we're faced with a situation that we can't run from and can't go back on and and we can't fight it what should our response be as christians i want to share with you an email that i received um, a while back after somebody heard this message on terrifying moments the letter said hello mr holland you don't know me personally but i attended your church this year from about April to June. I left Florida in June to move to Texas, but I wanted to tell you that I felt so at home at your church only after meeting just a very few people. I wanted to write this email to you because it's very important to me that I let you know how you've helped me through an extremely tough time in my life, an emotional roller coaster, if you like. I was at a point in my life where I tried to make some changes even though I could not see the future. It seemed like I had two choices and either way was a leap of faith i had to trust that god would keep me safe and be close to me you see my husband was diagnosed with bipolar and after years of not having peace one of my sons was also finally diagnosed with asperger's i just wanted peace she writes i wanted out of my marriage but things went crazy over christmas and into the new year Your sermon entitled, Terrifying Moments, allowed me to move forward. You talked about the Egyptians in a desperate situation with nowhere to go, overwhelmed, and terrified. Well, that was me. My back against a wall financially and emotionally, or so it seemed. The economy had gone south. I couldn't find a job, and the house would foreclose if I didn't join my husband in Texas. I want you to know that life is calmer now. I chose to come to Texas which was a leap of faith where my husband is now working. He's on some medication which is helping him. My children are attending an excellent school here and my son has a team of people here at the new school ready to give him everything that he needs to be successful. That was not available at his previous school. I have, exp- I have explained a little here as I was in the midst of a full-blown crisis with no family or close friends in Florida to run to. So I turned to God. He turned up and showed me how situations that appear hopeless can turn on a dime. A couple of things suddenly turned around for no apparent reason. Now, from this experience, I have grown spiritually, no surprise to you. What you did for me was to make the Bible come alive in your sermons. I'm just sad I can't attend your church right now. Now I've never been someone who attended church. I was born in the UK and was not it was, just wasn't a way of life for me. Something has changed inside of me and I have a hunger to learn and to grow closer to Christ. In fact, I'm even considering being baptized very soon here in Texas. God did turn up for me in a big way. It takes that situation where you know that nothing else can help or change in a situation. I realized as I listened to the teaching that day that God was taking me the long way home. What you have done is helped one frightened, lost soul turn back towards God and begin to heal and know that God is present in my pain. He is there and through my obedience to him, I will see what he has in store for me. Every story like that that I've heard through all the years of ministry have been so encouraging because it reminds me that God is faithful, that He's with His people, and that He is involved in their lives. I think the one time in Jesus' life that's captured my imagination and really instructs me on how... I can live best is when Jesus was in the garden and you remember that he went to this father in, in a terrifying moment where he knew that he was facing the cross. And he said, Father, I know that with you nothing is impossible. And then he, he asked for the impossible. If it is your will, remove this cup from me. And then he said, but not my will be done. Your will be done. My prayer for you is this, that you will believe that God is with you and that he is a God who is capable of the impossible, that you will boldly make whatever the request is that that you believe that you need to make. But in the end, my prayer for each of us, for all of us, for all of God's people, is that we will desire his will in our life more than our own. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you are a God who who leads us, and sometimes in ways that, that could be confusing. We don't understand. We don't understand. Why did you take us to this place and then bring us back? Or, or why did you bring that person into my life? And or why? Why? We have so many questions. And yet we know, Father, that you are a God who is working out your plan. I pray that you will help us to be obedient to the call that you have on our life. I thank you, Father, for your forgiveness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love in our life. And Father, I pray that you, that Jesus Christ will be lifted up, that you will be glorified in all that we say and do. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.